Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. You're to take, you're sanctified to go into that world that God has called you, your neighborhood, your club, your military career, whether you're playing a ball game, whether you're at school, whether you're at home, wherever you go, you are set apart for a purpose. So we call that maturity, and we do it together, and we call that unity. Let's go back to the passage. I love it here. It says, sanctify them in the truth. What do you mean, in the truth? Verse 17 goes on to say, your word is truth. Oh, my friend, what a beautiful phrase. Your word is truth. So we are set apart, sanctified, sanctified for a particular purpose, and we're doing this because of the word of God, which is known as the truth. Oh, so how does he sanctify us? Well, we put down here that it's because of the truth and it's because of the word. So <clears throat> how many of you begun to ask yourself, what on earth am I here for? In other words, why did God make me? Why am I in Hawaii? Why do I have this career? You're kind of feeling kind of like lost. You're kind of like floating. You're kind of like, I'm just going through the motions. It could be because... We haven't really connected to the purpose God made you and for you and me to discover what that is and then to do it no matter the cost. Let me ramp it up just a little bit. Some of you are getting to a point in your life where you're going to retire from military, you're going to retire from your career. You look at Carol and me, we're at a certain age. We still think we have a lot of life and future in us, and I hope we do. But there may be coming time that I'm not as effective or ineffective in my official continual role as senior pastor to such a great group of people. I don't know when that'll be. I hope it's a million years away, but it may not be. I'm going to have to be thinking what I do next. Now, why am I telling you that because we're all going through this? Is because... God says, I am set apart for a purpose. He says, then sanctify them. Thy word is truth. The more I immerse myself in God's word, the more that the spirit of God can take the word of God to reveal to the child of God what my purpose is for the glory of God. Did you catch that? Once I understand the word of God, that the spirit of God takes to the child of God, I then will know what my purpose is for the glory of God. That's why from the pulpit to small group ministries to my whole life, I bleed, get into the Word of God and know it. Begin to strategize your time to get this book and know it. Yeah, you need to read it, but you need to study it too, and deeply study it. You need to meditate and memorize this Word. You need to apply it. We all do. And when we do, something mystical and magical, I hate to use that word, begins to happen. Doors begin to close. Things we thought we'd want to do begins to close. We, we, they're not opening. They're not opening. It's not happening. Because God says that's not the direction. So he begins to open up other doors. And that's why we say to the Lord, Lord, I'm nothing more than a pawn on your chessboard of a game that you're winning. And now take me and place me wherever you need me to be. And if it means sacrificing me in the game, it doesn't mean that I go to hell. It just means that I fit a greater purpose for him. Now, this is so, you think this is hard preaching. This is hard hearing as well. And so I hope that each one of us would grab a hold of this book right here. And he says, sanctify them. Thy word is truth. Get to know the word. That's how we begin the maturation process. How beautiful it is. Well, now verse 18, because notice how sanctification and maybe we could call it world evangelism go together. At least the concept of making Jesus famous on the world, in the world goes like this in the next verse. He says this, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. 
Would you like to have an interesting discussion with your uh, study buddy, prayer partner, mate, kids, parents? Ask this question. It says, as he was sent into the world, and here's the question. Why was Jesus sent into this world? Now, don't reduce it to some little quippy little answer that you can answer in the time it takes you to eat a french fry. Go a little bit deeper. Why, did Christ, why was he sent to this earth? And then try to support it with much scripture as you can. Then take that worm's eye view of all those little verses, put them together. Then step back to a bird's eye view and watch out each one of the pieces of the puzzle put together. And you're going to see a huge bunch of reasons that all tie into a beautiful picture of as God was sent into the world. Jesus was sent into the world. Now, once I understand that, then I'll remember what he says in his prayer here. As I was sent into the world, so send I you into the world. Let me give you just some to play with. He was sent into the world, and in the world, what did he do? He showed that he obeyed the Father. All right, As he was sent into the world to manifest his obedience to the Father, I'm going to show my manifestation of the Lord by being obedient to my Heavenly Father. As he was the one who made himself of no reputation, I'm going to make myself of no reputation. I'm not going to try to protect my reputation. I'm not going to try to make myself be famous. I'm not going to try to mess up my reputation. I'm just going to be as godly as I can be and let that be the reputation, but I'm not going to go around trying to protect it. Made myself of no reputation. Then I became a servant. Now, who am I going to serve? I'm going to serve the Lord, but I serve the Lord by serving the people that the Lord serves, which would be you and me. I need to serve you guys. I need to serve my neighbors. I need to serve others. So take this as far as you can. Let this just go with you. And then say, okay, I got it up here. But now do I have it here? And is it coming out here? My hands. That's how all this sanctification comes. Sanctify them. Thy word is truth. And then he says, as the Father sends me. So a lot of this knowing the word is not just getting head knowledge. It's getting some uh, spiritual ministry work experience. And that's all part of maturation. And he's praying that for those guys. And he prays it for us by extension. How important that is. Go to verse 19. He says, for their sakes, I sanctify myself. And you might say, well, wait, how, how can I make myself pure and holy? You can't. He was already pure and holy. He can't make himself pure and holy. But he can say, I've been set apart for a purpose. And if you go back to the beginning of the chapters to glorify the Lord, I set myself for a purpose that God made me for. Holiness is certainly very much a part of it, and he was. That they themselves also may be sanctified in the truth. So he's saying, I was set apart ultimately to go to the cross. And by me going to the cross, now they're set apart with a purpose too. And they live, boy, did this get heavy. This means you live, you and I live a cross-like life. While it's a Christ-like life, it's a cross-like life, which is a total surrender, a total slave, slave, slavership, if I can use that word, to the Lord. No matter what, whatever the price, for the greater good of bringing glory to the Lord by taking the message of Christ, who he is, what he's done to this world. Boy, this is certainly not a sermon on how to get out of debt, you know, is it? But it is a sermon from God's Word revealing the kind of prayer that God prayed for through Christ. Now, I love this because he didn't pray that the guys would get a job, that they'd find a nice house to live in, that they'd get a car that would run or a chariot that would work and the wheels would stay on. He didn't pray for any of that. He prayed for a deeper understanding that they would know, first of all, they'd be protected from all this stuff out there, that they would really know him through maturation, being set apart because of the truth, and now they would live that out with the world. Now, that's the kind of prayer. So it doesn't matter what kind of car you have necessarily or the house you live in or the neighbors that you have. It's that, it's that we live this life of Christ that he prayed for us. I think one of the greatest signs of a maturity of a Christian, this is Ponzism, but I think I can support it with Scripture, is going to be not, Lord, merely deliver me from cancer, but, Lord, bring it all on that you want, and now I ask you to help me to glorify you, whatever I have, with a spirit of joy and with other people and their spiritual needs in mind. 
Can you imagine? Jesus prayed that for the 11 because he knew that these guys are going to face hell on earth. And then he prayed for us the same prayer, essentially, because he knew we would face hell on earth. And I'm going to tell you, when the world looks at that kind of a Christian, they will say that we're nuts. But inside they're saying, I wish I had that peace. I wish I had that joy. I wish I'd know how to experience that kind of love. And I'm going to tell you, that's what turned the world upside down in the book of Acts. Because these guys are the answer to Christ's prayer. And I think we can be the answer to Christ's prayer as well. Well, let me go a little bit further here. We talked about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. That's how we're sanctified. And that's a little bit more about what sanctification means. He went to the cross. He set himself apart for a purpose. Now, verse 20. He says, I don't ask on behalf of these alone. That would be the 11 that he just prayed for that were there. He says, but for those also. Underline that phrase, but for those also. That's why specifically for the 11, but by extension he's referring to us. But for those also who believe in me through their word. Now, you might say, well, it's God's word. Well, yeah, it is, but watch up here. Their word is impotent without God's word that's all-powerful. So it is their word, but it's really their word that's God's word that's speaking to them. And that's why he could say, they're not, the, the people aren't going to hear my voice, it's, Jesus is implying. They're not going to hear my word through my lips. So they're going to have to give their word, but their word is going to be our word. So when I'm up here... Um, yeah, you're listening to my sermon. I get that. But to the degree that I'm going to be saturated with God's word and teach it accurately to you, it's really my sermon, but it's really God's word. If you're trying to, it, it's, I hope you're catching what we're trying to say there. I think you are. So that's what he's saying. So for those who will believe in me through their word. Then it says that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you. There's a lot of discussion about denominations and, and all of this and what about that and, and, and this, this kind of stuff. So I'm going to give you a little bit of my opinion here because we've got a little bit of time and I can close here an appropriate amount. Um, I, get, I get that there are different denominations and I get that there are Christians in other denominations. I will not say um, Baptists are all Christians. I won't say Methodists are all Christians. I won't even say independent Bible people are all Christians. What I will say, all those who believe in Jesus Christ by faith alone, in Christ alone, have eternal life. I will say that's a Christian. He may be a Christian who's a part of the Baptist group or the Methodist group or maybe even the Lutheran and maybe even the Catholic group. As long, watch this, as long as they are set apart for the accurate word of God as it's represented in the sanctification of Christ, he was set apart for the death and resurrection on the cross. And the key word through all of that is belief. So now the unity that we have is not based on let's get all the churches together and have one big island-wide Easter Sunday. I get nervous about that. I mean, I know that they're all talking about Christ, but are they all believing accurately the Christ of the Bible and what he had to say? I don't know. And all of a sudden, we might be sending a signal to the world that, hey, these are all a bunch of Christians that follow Christ, but really, are we? And so I'm not anti that, but I would rather say above all of that is that the unity that we have is not born on what denomination you have. It's born on whether you had faith alone in Jesus Christ. Now, let me take it another step. 
Um, back in the Bible days, if you go to the New Testament, you're going to see the church in Galatia. You're going to see the church at Ephesus, the church at Philippi. You're going to see all these different churches, primarily one church, one city, because it was starting to grow. Here in Honolulu, we've got, what, a thousand churches that may be sound in the word, at least in maybe doctrinal statements, whether they believe it or teach it, I don't know, but they might have that. I don't know how many, I'm just guessing, all right? And there will be difference. Some will have more Hawaiian bent, some will be more military bent, some will be older people, some will be all young people that they're trying to reach, and all of the different styles that they might have. For some of that, it's okay if you like pepperoni on your pizza, you like cheese on your pizza, you like mushrooms on your pizza. It's okay, as lo- watch this, as long as you're eating pizza, not a plastic picture of pizza. Are you, are you traveling with me, all right? So again, it's got to be by the word of God. So while you look at different methods, don't think they're saved, they're not. What you have to do is listen to what they have to say, figure out what their heart is now saying through what they're saying in scripture, and that's why we want to be one. Now, here's the beauty of it all. He says, just as I am one with the Father and the Father is one with me. By the way, that's a whole sermon that you can build probably a whole series on, which would be the deity of Christ over and over in Scripture will slap in the face of those cults out there that says that you have the Almighty God, God, and you have the Mighty God, Jesus, but one's a little lower than the other, or we have another guy that's equal to those three, so now you've got all this going together. No, 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 no. They're all one because they're equal with one another. Now it says, just as I am equal with the Father, the Father is equal with me. Okay, we're in unity. We are one in each other. He says, I want them to be in one. I love this. With one another. And as they're one with one another, biblically, they can be one with me in heaven. And so there is, so those of you that are on the, uh, on the journey to Christianity, I want you to know that there may be fractured and scattered churches all over the world. But the community of the redeemed is huge because they're in Christ. Because of what Christ has done on the cross, what is revealed in his word, thy word. And because the people individually have believed in Christ alone, they became part of the universal church of God. And we are all one. And he is saying, I want them to be one in me. Who wouldn't want to be one in Christ with him? Let's go back to the passage, all right? Let me just read through it here quickly and we'll be closed. So verse, um, well, verse 20 and 21 speak to that. But then in verse 22, it says, The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. Oh, I love that. The glory that's in Christ is now manifested through us because we are now one in Christ because of the clarity and the preciousness of the gospel, what he has done and our belief in him. I in them, he says to the Father, and you in me, that they may be perfected or matured in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Isn't that remarkable that God loves the Son, and as much as he loves the Son, he loves you and me? Can you imagine that he loves us equally? And there you have a perfect Son and an imperfect humanity imperfect children of his and he says I still love you what a beautiful illustration for parents to be careful of favoritism verse 24 father I desire that they also whom I have given me you have given me be with them where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you love me before the foundation of the world 
which means that he was loving us before the foundation of the world. Before we sinned, he already had the plan of salvation in mind. And to have a plan of salvation in mind, he had to have a reason for it, which would be fallen man. And to have fallen man, you have to have man. And so he's loving the world, but he specifically loves those who he then died for and were part of his forever family. And there's that word, before it was Holy Father. Now he says, O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I've known you, and these have known you, that you sent me. Oh, how beautiful that is. And the last is, and I have made your name known. It'd be like saying, I've made you famous. I've made the integrity of your name known, the power of your name known, the meaning of your name known to them. Everything about your name and integrity known to them. And will make it known so that the love with which you loved me may be in them. Isn't that beautiful? The love that God has for the Father, that the Father has for the Son, is the love now that's in us. And he says, and I in them. So that means God's love is in me. That means the, fa- the Son's love is in me. And that with all of this love, it says, so that the love would be known to others and we could love others. Oh, my dear friend, as we close this book and we end John 17, I want you to know that when you go to work and when you go to your life experiences and you feel like you're so all alone, remember that you aren't alone. You're in the mind of God before mankind was created. You're in the mind of God before you're in your mother's womb and that you are permitted to be born and that you're born a man or a woman, that yes, you've had life experiences and maybe some abilities that you're attained. Those that know Christ, you've been given spiritual gifts, but all of that says, watch this, you are not a snowflake in the blizzard of humanity, that each one of you have a purpose and Jesus Christ himself prayed for you that the Father would be glorified through the Son and the best way the Son is glorified is what he did for us on the cross. And then he says it brings glory back to him because we now are his children bringing glory to him so it's all about him, not about us. We have eternity with him. We have security with him. We have maturity with him through the word. And now we can have unity with one another not because of denominations or religions but because Jesus Christ is Lord and by our faith alone in Christ who died on the cross for us. We are now brothers and sisters in Christ in him and the love that God gave to his son the love that Jesus Christ has for us is now inside of us that we now have the ability to do the same for others all part of God's family so now what wall do you have with someone is it worth it forgive them give it up knock it down is there someone that you know that's still out there that needs to have Jesus Christ brought to them so that he could be glorified could you be hindering some of the glory that could go to the Lord by maybe not manifesting the character of God. I don't know. All I know is that God loves us. And whatever you're going through right now, if someone doesn't pray for you, the Lord prays for you because you're loved. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. I've given you so much in your notes. There's just so much there for you to know. Jesus Christ paid the price when he died on the cross. We finished the prayer of Jesus. The next time I'm with you, we're going to begin that horrible, horrible week where Jesus Christ then goes on trial. And I'm going to show you the different groups that he stood trial in front of when we get together again. And how that manifests to us is to let us know that often we put Jesus on trial in our own hearts. And we make him dance to us when he shouldn't. And I'm going to show you how we do that because I know we don't want to do that and we need to know where it is. So we're going to talk about Jesus on trial because he paid the price. Then remember his promise, he said that In his father's house, there's many mansions. And he says, but I am the way to those mansions. I am the way to the father. And it's only through me. So he paid the price. And then he prayed the prayer that he wants us 
to be with him forever. But the way we get there is by placing our faith alone in Christ. We don't come to him promising we'll start something or stop something. We come to him saying that we have no power to start or to stop. We're horribly lost. And we believe that Jesus loved us. Can we get our minds off of where we're going to eat lunch today and put our minds on our relationship with Christ? What needs to be tuned up? Those that are listening now that have not put their faith in Christ, please do not come to a condition like my other friend has where he's denied Christ and now I don't even know if he can hear me and he could be moments away from a Christless eternity. Would you right now place your faith in Christ? You don't have to understand it all, but you do have to understand that you're a sinner and no good deed you do yourself will get you there. You do have to believe that Jesus is the Lord. He is God Almighty in the flesh who died on a cross and rose again. You've got to believe that salvation is by your simple childlike faith and that alone in Him, not faith and something. It's just your trusting Him. And He then will forgive you of all sin, give you eternal life in heaven, a home up there, a place for you, but also beginning now the privilege of, of a relationship intimately with him. That's, a, that's eternal life, that you may know God the Father and know the Son. Is there anyone in here today that would like to say, Lord, I'm trusting in you? Would you say that in your own heart? It's not even so much a prayer as it's a mental transaction. And when you do... Then you begin that road of eternity. Not see if you still get it, possibility that you'll lose it. No, you got it, you got it, you got it. Know that he has secured you and he continues making that intercession of security for you. Not because he's afraid that God the Father is going to change his mind about you. All he's doing is affirming what God already said in prayer. And then once you've trusted Christ, would you begin your road of maturity by getting into the word, knowing that you're set apart for a purpose and discover what that is and perhaps that would be your purpose of study, being set apart for him. Just set apart for him. Now, whether you're a butcher, baker, candlestick maker, it doesn't make any difference. You're not saying, I'm, I'm sold out for you, Lord, as a believer, not to get saved, but because I am. And do that. And then enjoy what it means to be a part of a community of the unity, the unified group of believers. If today is the day you're calling upon the Lord to be your Savior, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Now, raising your hand won't save you, but it does indicate silently to me that you're wanting me to pray for you. Now, me praying for you doesn't get you into heaven. Walking an aisle doesn't. Even filling out a card, as much as I'd like you to do that, I hope you do it, let me know, but that won't get you to heaven. Those are outside things. Getting into heaven is an internal believing. But if you are internally believing in Christ, then you're saved. You're born again. Your sins are forgiven. But by raising your hand afterwards, it's just giving me an opportunity to, hey, I'm praying for you. Welcome. Welcoming you and God's forever family. You're not joining the church, but God's uh, the unity and community of believers. So is there anyone in here that's ready right now, knowing that before the foundation of the world, God loved you, and that you're going to receive that love by the work he's done on the cross? You've placed your faith alone in him. Would you slip up your hand right now? Is today the day that you're trusting Christ to give you eternal life? Anyone at all? Put it up real high. Okay, Christians. Just take a moment. I've given you a list of some homework assignments. And those are just things to get you thinking about taking away some points from today's sermon. What do you want to do a little bit differently to start walking in a direction of growth? What do you think you need to do? More time in the Word? More time with other believers? More time praying? Whatever it might be, go to your next level for the glory of God. Talk to him now about that. 
we're going to be distributing these communion elements. And when we do, that's a little reminder that in a few moments we're going to take that little wafer as it represents the body of Christ and that little cup of juice to represent his blood. That's because he was sanctified, set apart for a purpose to go to the cross. And this is a little bit of him on the cross. The broken wafer referring to the shredded body of Christ and the juice representing to the blood that was spilled, that horrible sacrificial death so that we could have everlasting life when he rose again. And then just as he did that because he had a purpose, begin to see and seek his purpose for your life. Learn his word. Love his word. Live his word. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for this great group of believers. I thank you that their hearts are beating in some degree after you and that, Father, the Spirit of God would take many of these words that we've been teaching today and help us to focus more on you. Thank you, thank you, Father, that just an extremely short time you are going to experience a horrible death of the cross. You would be praying for us. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.